0: Welcome to Koos' Corner, a platform for passionate, unscripted discussions with my guests, to entertain and inspire you. Let's get into this episode. What's up? <laughs> Alright, here we go. Uh, we're going to do another free flow episode this week. Um we do have a couple ideas of, of some things that we might talk about. And if we get around to them, awesome. If not, uh, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. So uh, just to start, Christian, how are you doing? And any uh, anything going on in your life over the, the past week or so that, that's been a change or
1: anything you've noticed? Well, Marcus, as you know, as the time progresses, things change and uh, I've got some... <laughs> Some changes in my life recently. Um, so I had a shadow day with a company in Ottawa that your cousin Ian works at last week, which was great. Um, really enjoyed what I saw from the company and speaking with the team there. It was really fun. And was am supposed to hear from them hopefully today regarding an offer or a rejection. Either way, I'll be okay. Um, it might hurt if I get rejected a little bit, but. It's short-term problems, you know. Long-term, exactly. fine. Long-term Christians, fine. Um, and then on top of that, I've been talking to a one of the first digital pharmacies in Canada that are based in BC. They're growing a lot. A friend of mine and somebody I worked—I guess you could say technically—for they were a guest at the resort I worked at for four or five years and so i got to know them pretty well and she's been talking to me a lot i think i've had f- five meetings with their company this week um about potentially taking on a role there so we'll see what happens um but yeah that's kind of what's been going on on my end other than that found some new meditations i'd love to share and i'm um, finally getting back on the finger training on the hangboard because my sh- my left shoulder was off for a couple of a week or two so I just had to give it a break and now I'm back in action so I'm feeling good what about you Marcus what's going on with you um this week was a little bit more relaxed in terms of school but for some
0: reason I was extremely stressed uh, throughout the week and yeah had some I don't know had some issues sleeping um Mm -hmm. partly thinking about you know what I'm going to be doing in the summer for for a summer job. Also thinking about um, the ex- uh, student exchange that I might be doing in the fall. Um, supposed to hear back about that sometime soon. So that's been getting me a bit jittery. Um, so it it's stress, but it's also it's excitement. I think. Um, okay.
1: So is it do you, is it more because you're not sure what you'll be doing or
0: yeah, I would say that it's more the uncertainty and also just like putting so much like thought onto it, for sure. onto those two things, like for waking sure. up in the middle of the night thinking about like, oh, like I could be going to Australia or like, oh, I could be going to Japan like mm-hmm. in in the fall. And like if that happens, like what does that mean for, for like starting a career or what does that mean about like me just going and living in like Tofino for a few months and just working at a resort or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm at a point where it's a lot of thinking about the future because a phase of my life is coming to an end Um, but with that like obviously there's lots of opportunities and right now it's a, a bit overwhelming for me.
1: That kind of sparks a question on my end for you the way you described it, it's like I need to start a career, but I want to go, you know, travel and do an exchange abroad and then potentially, you know, enjoy spending some time like having a fun job and just, you know, working at a ski resort, and enjoying myself. Do you see those things as all mutually exclusive? It's like one or the other. Right
0: now, I do. Um, I'm sure as these opportunities come closer, I'm going to explore the 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 possibility of them intersecting. Like maybe mm-hmm. if I do get close to getting a job, um like I I would ask them like if they could be remote or something like that. But yeah. the problem well it's not a problem. It's actually extremely privileged for me. But the opportunities that are coming around for me in terms of of my career, um, uh, of kickstarting my career, I've been very careful with selecting which opportunities to pursue. Mm -hmm. And because of that, these opportunities tend to be opportunities that I've been dreaming about and thinking about for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's been like a goal of mine to get into the sports industry. And Mm -hmm. now these opportunities are, are might be presenting themselves sometime soon. And it's, it's just tough because how can I, how can I reject something that I've been working towards for so long, but also realizing that there's other aspects that i I want to other aspects of life I want to experience
1: yeah yeah um,
0: in in the present moment, you know like of course three years ago, two years ago when I was starting university, was I thinking about going off and living somewhere for for six months to a year or or even however long, and just doing some some minimum wage job and just going in it like surfing and and going on hikes during the day when I'm not working and really just enjoying like my life outside of work no i wasn't thinking about that but now that i'm coming close to starting a career and and know that like i'll be working for 30 40 years probably do i really want to like get right into that and that's something that i've been struggling with a lot mm-hmm. recently and it's I'm leaning towards the life experiences because I want to take a risk. And I i am hearing lots of people say, you know, like the twenties are your time to, to do this stuff. And it's right because I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have a family that I need to provide for. Uh, yeah. Like this is the, the right time to be doing it. Um, and, and I, I know that, but it's still, tough to take that risk. You almost need someone else pushing you to make that risk. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I really appreciate um, with you is that you've been very encouraging with me trying to take these risks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just a lot of it is, I guess, thinking, will you have the courage to do it when the the decision time time comes. comes? And right now I've just been stressing a lot about that decision and I guess I just need to al- allow things to just flow. Yeah. And when that decision time comes, try and make the best decision that I can. And, and I know, regardless of the decision that I make, I'm, I will be happy. Yeah. And I'll, I will be, I will be fine with the decision that I make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I don't want to be four years old looking back and, and, and being like oh that would have been a cool experience and i had the chance to do it
1: yeah for sure um i think the way you're thinking about this shows a lot of maturity like the fact that you're really like going in de- in detailed depth um thinking out sort of each situation each scenario how each factor impacts the other whether you know you start a career now and Grab, grab the opportunities that are potentially being presented to you or whether you take a risk uh forgo that forgo those opportunities in the present moment to you know do some self-exploration and and, and experience the world a little bit and it's and
0: easy th- just oh sorry go ahead
1: no worries i just i there's something that i've noticed i recognize with myself and with others when they share their sort of uh, the problem of decision-making to me and I think we tend to do two things we see the world as bi- like as two binary options it's like you either do this or you do this and by choosing one you completely sacrifice the other and especially at our age I don't think that's true because we have the, the one the one thing we don't have all the experience in the world we don't have all the money in the world but we have the leisure of time And it's, it's an extremely valuable resource because it means we have the option to travel and still, you know, have a fantastic, um, career that is something that you'd actually enjoy doing. Like by choosing one, you're not necessarily sacrificing the other long-term, just you're, you're sacrificing it in the present moment. And I don't, I think also the fact that you were able to get it now, or at least have a chance at those opportunities now in terms of career, is a good indicator that they may present themselves again down the road because you're already from the business's point of view, potentially worthy, right? Now you may um, fall out of mind, but I think if anything, you know, having the experiences of traveling and now putting yourself in those types of new situations, just add a little bit more substance and character to yourself and I think also by telling the organizations that and sharing their th- sharing your thought process with them, and also how hard it was to make this decision, I think if anything, it'll just help them respect you more.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's a good point about the binary. Like, I I think a lot of young people think when when career opportunities arise early on that they're they're not going to be around in in a couple of years. Um, yeah or available later yeah Uh, and that's definitely something that i've been fearful of you know the sports industry there's a lot of people that want to get into it because there's a lot of people that uh, just love sports and and also the business behind it um but like if you are the right fit for that position and you are honest with people they and the the main thing is just continuing that relationship right if you do choose to to go and Like if I do choose to go and live somewhere else just and take life as it comes and keep those relationships, you won't, you won't get forgotten. Um, And
1: and you'll, you'll, you'll generate new opportunities as well. Like when you started in, uh, at Concordia university, these opportunities didn't exist. They, they were generated by, you know, you being there and making them happen. And with more time, you're only going to create more opportunity. Like, Five months ago, I was interviewing with Sunlight for a sales role, and so I was going to be an advisor, which I then turned down, and then got rejected by Sunlight for a different uh, position that I applied for. And at that time, both of the opportunities that I'm considering now didn't exist. You know, so in my mind, I was just like, "Well, I'm fucked," <laughs> right? But I, I like. But over time, other opportunities arise, and it's hard to predict what will happen which is why yeah. it's, it's worth taking that risk sometimes.
0: Yeah. It's just a struggle, I think. And I think other people feel this as well. When you do have ambition yeah, of, of something, the struggle of, of being in the present moment, but also having those big, hairy, audacious goals that we talk about. The and And it's kind of, it just comes back to balance, right? Mm-hmm. Balancing both because you need to have some sort of direction, but- you can't be so rigid that you're not willing to, to adapt if, if needed.
1: I think, um, so something I've been doing recently has been, I read over my goals every morning and then I write my, so I'll read over my 12 month goals, my like major BHAG. And then after I've done that, I'll write down my micro goals for the day. And I think that's a really useful way of compartmentalizing Being ambitious and thinking about the future without letting it seep into every moment of your day at least mentally because you've given the time to think about that and to structure your day around that ambition so then you can just go through the actions and be in the present moment a little bit more afterwards knowing that you're moving in in the direction that you want
0: so if you don't mind sharing what what is your big hairy audacious goal
1: dude it's 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 constantly evolving as it should Um, be yeah as it should be
0: (laughs) but this kind of goes back to so after we recorded last week's episode you and i were talking about this this meditation or visualization practice of walking through a woods and then coming across your 40 or 50 year old self yeah and and what what do you want that person to to be like what do you want them to like teach you now Mm -hmm. Uh, which i think would be something cool we could talk about definitely what 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 are your big, hairy, audacious goals right now?:
1: All right, so right now it is to create and uti- utilize a platform to document my journey in, towards the, the five mountains, which is essentially me just trying to be the best version of myself. So there's, and I've gotten some of this stuff this is an outline generated by a guy called Mark Divine, which is essentially an outline of how to like plan your life and goals. And so the five mountains are physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and then Kokoro, which means like heart-mind connection. So like, I think it just simply would be like, you know, moving in a direction where you you feel good inside, right? Um, so to create, utilize a platform to document my journey to the peak of five mountains, to share this journey with others to provide some sort of benefit to them and inspire them to do the same. And then simultaneously provide stability for those that I love and for myself financially. And it's vague and it's broad. Um, I've written it down many times. Sometimes it's more specific. Sometimes it's more vague and broad. Um, but that's a general direction that I want to move in. And then I've got nine more specific goals that fall under that category. So under career, under health and fitness, under financial and monetary, under romance, family and friends, personal growth, spiritual growth, recreation and fun and personal environment. And then I've got a goal for each of those written down. And then I've checked off three most important for the next 12 months that I wanna work on out of those nine. And yeah, and then I write down micro goals every day to align with them. It's a very
0: cool process.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I was, this is what I was telling you about earlier. I kind of wanted to share it with you um, at some point in time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's sweet. Um, it's cool that you have different levels. Um, it seems very thought out. And, yeah. And also to who you are.
1: Mm, I didn't think this out, though. I I was... Well, you used it.
0: The, yeah, you used the template, but you you took time to think about what you yeah. wanted to fill in that template.
1: And it's so worth it, man, because essentially this allows me to put more intention behind my actions, which means I actually move in a direction that I intend to towards what I want. Whereas if if you don't have intention then you do a million things throughout the day that are kind of random sporadic, and then you move much more haphazardly, you know, forwards. Yeah. So I think it's just a good thing to do for anyone.
0: Also, it takes a very holistic uh, approach to goal setting. Like it, it takes yeah. your, goal setting for all aspects of your life. Like, as I asked that question, I was thinking about what my goals would be. And I only thought of two, two aspects of my life kind of work yeah. and, and family. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, and, we'll run
1: through this together sometime.
0: For sure. And for
1: sure. Uh, yeah. So
0: you've been using this Mark Divine um, program. Yeah, essentially. And you've been speaking highly about it to me. What are the the aspects of it that you've been enjoying? And can you explain the purpose of the Mark Divine program?
1: Sure. So he's got five different. I think there's a bunch of different programs that he's got. The one that I was participating in was called Unbeatable Mind. Um, so I I was listening to the Fit Mind podcast. He was a guest speaker in the podcast. I liked what he was saying a lot. I really enjoyed the podcast. So I looked up his website, read through his values a little bit, and was like, ah, whatever, I'll sign up for the newsletter. And this was just after New Year's. And then I received an email saying, look, we're releasing a 30 day program. Um, Blah, blah, blah. It really means a bit of sales pitch. Like, you know, only 1% of people actually achieve their New Year's resolutions and their goals. And it's because they don't have such a detailed sort of thought out plan around them and behind them. And this is kind of what we wanna share with you. So I was like, screw it, I'm just gonna do it. I'm not working right now. I'm gonna keep myself busy and, and, you know, make the most of this time I've got available to me. And it was really motivating at the beginning, like, and I've seen the ebbs and flows of it over time as well. But I guess to to answer your question more specifically and give more of a description of what it is, um, it essentially, by, giving you a lot of probing questions. The beginning is a lot of probing questions just to get you thinking. And the idea behind the writing that you do to answer those questions is not to answer them perfectly. It's never to answer them perfectly. It's just like somewhere between like 60 and 80% good enough. Just get it on the paper because if you're trying to do it perfectly, you're never gonna do it, because you can't, right? You're just gonna hold yourself back and kill your momentum. So it's just about getting it down on paper, getting, so what's your purpose? What are your principles? What are your passions? And then where those aligned, that becomes your your sort of your one thing mission. That becomes the direction that you should move in your BHAG. And then you break that down into, you know, 12 month, nine, 12 month goals. You break those down further. And then a lot of the program is about getting you into the flow state with those goals. So the first step of getting into the flow state, according to them, which is why I thought you'd like it a lot too, is you need to have all of your goals aligned. So what you're doing in this moment result um, will positively impact what you're doing tomorrow and the day after and the day after, but it's also, it starts from within. Right. So I actually have to be doing what I want to be doing to be able to get into the flow state. And it's like, it sounds kind of abstract, but if you think about it in terms of a sports game, I don't know, soccer, for example, it's like I'm dribbling the ball and I get around a guy and then I pass it off to the next guy. And I like, when I'm dribbling the ball, Everything's aligned. Like I want to win the game. I want to get around the guy to be able to win the game. And I want to make the pass so that my buddy can score so that we can win the game. It's like everything that I'm doing in that moment is perfectly aligned towards my purpose in that moment. And then to help you get into the flow state, there's some additional like breathing practices. Um, You come up with your own mantra to break the negative cycles. So when you catch a negative cycle running in your brain, you, you, you kind of like yell out your mantra in your head and then try to initiate a positive cycle by repeating it over and over again. And, you know, it talks about how the fear wolf or yeah, the, the fear is the sort of biggest enemy of the flow state. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I can tell more, but it's essentially that's the basics of it. And then it expands from there. And
0: Yeah, that's cool um what's your mantra that
1: that you you've been using um so i'll start the first one will be bold brave stronger every day when i like notice myself kind of going down a negative spiral, and then the next one would be to like kick start a positive one is looking good feeling good i'm the guy that knew he could and does sweet yeah it's interesting
0: because yesterday in my business and sustainability course we actually had to write our own personal brand statements
1: oh really what did you, you come up with
0: so it was actually pretty interesting the way that it worked i have it here on my, my laptop um, so the first question we were asked are what are the major results you want to deliver professionally yeah um my answer to that was i want to work with athletes to create positive social impact um to do so uh I would like to help them grow within their sport and achieve, uh, reach, a, reach achievements that they would like to pursue and as well, help them get gr- greater engagement with their communities. And I feel with those two ways, they'll be able to, to create the positive social impact, um, at least the potential that they have within them. Um, and then the next question was what are your most important attributes or values? Yeah. So you've talked about this before as well, t- like thinking of, of your own personal values and, and kind of what uh, you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. And this was in a career mindset, but I think a lot of it is also um, <laughs> these values that I put down relate to my personal life as well. So I put down 10. That's what we had to start with. Then you had to cross off five. And then cross off another two. So Mm. you finished with three. Mm. Um, the three that I finished with were honesty, optimism and reliability. And then you just write down, um, you, you put those three values into a statement of what you want to be known for. So being a reliable individual that inspires positivity while being honest with myself and others. So that i can deliver greater social impact alongside the athletes i work with and basically the forming of those two sentences is your brand statement
1: that's good uh, that sounds good too
0: so that was a cool little exercise that people can do it took five minutes um, yeah. and you know thinking of 10 values you think it's tough but if you have a sheet in front of you with all the different things all the different attributes and values it's, it's quite easy to realize like what you focus on more and i think a big thing with these exercises as well with and i noticed it during like doing therapy was a lot of people just don't know how to describe the values or the emotions that they're feeling um So if you do bring up like a, it's called like an emotion wheel. It has like a bunch of different emotions and and kind of uh, it bunches them together to like anger, happiness. Uh, It just gives you more options and it makes it more of a spectrum of Mm -hmm. emotions. And even when it comes to writing, having these types of resources around, you can be extremely helpful. Uh, So with that, like, that's what, uh, I've been trying to to use a bit more so that I can pinpoint things uh, a little better and I highly recommend to anyone else that, uh, they use them as well, because there's sometimes in your life where you're just feeling something and you know what feeling you're having, but you're having a tough time describing it. Even what we were talking about earlier when I was saying stress at first stress was, I knew that stress wasn't the right word. Yeah. And then I guess it morphed to overwhelm, but, and there is a difference. Uh, and just knowing like these different words uh, can make a big difference. For Sure.
1: <clears throat> um, I'm seeing a bit, an opportunity to make a bit of a transition here. Yeah, go ahead. So, Okay, so in terms of speaking of emotions, right? We were talking about potentially discussing love a little bit today, because they're coming up to Valentine's Day, and you're 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 talking. And you were you know telling me a little bit about how hard it can be to describe emotions sometimes, and how the color wheel can or the emotion wheel uh, can make it easier to sort of pinpoint and tell others how exactly you're feeling, and so. I think love is a very, very powerful emotion. Um, it's probably one of the most powerful emotions I felt. And it's a, it's a crazy source of energy and creativity. So when I, when I broke up with my ex-girlfriend, I was, I was thinking we were going to discuss this today. So I looked through my phone. I, I remembered I'd written some notes after I'd broken up with her. it was probably about like the equivalent of something like three pages of notes. And it was all just like word vomit at the time. I was just like putting it out because I needed to get it out of my head. And I looked over it now and it's crazy how, how actually well written and articulate it is. And I think it's partially because I was feeling such a strong, intense emotion that it pushed out good like good well-written stuff and it's just interesting to me how when we are so strongly when we so when we feel something very strongly then we're able to express something um, we're, we express ourselves in a more interesting intense and perhaps insightful way it depends on the person that's maybe how i ex- express myself when i'm feeling something intense but for me the the most sort of powerful emotion that has allowed me to express some of the most unique and interesting things from in my life has been love.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree that I I think it intensifies a lot of different things. Um, It intensifies your happiness. Like when you're, you feel that um, sense of, of like, Oh, this person is, is reciprocating that love. It gives you a big boost. It's a jolt of energy. Yeah. Um, but then when they're when they're not reciprocating that
1: love, it can be so painful. Yeah, dude. Love, I was thinking about it earlier. When you fall like you don't you don't choose to find love. It finds you, right? And then when it does, it just fucking grabs onto your heart. <laughs> yeah. And and just and you don't want it to let go either, really.
0: So okay for me, I haven't had a serious girlfriend. The first, the last girlfriend I had was in, in grade five. Right. Um, yeah. so I wouldn't say I had I've ever had a girlfriend. Um, but up until about October, September, October this year for yeah. the past like year and a half or two years, there like I had no strong feelings for anyone. Mm. I would have, like, little, like, oh, like, a couple couple crushes, but, like, not, like, feelings for someone. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was like, oh, my God, this is so empty. Like, I I wish that, like, I had someone that I could have strong feelings for. Like, it's just, it's almost more painful to not love anyone at all Mm -hmm. in a romantic way. Obviously, there's people I love in my life, like family and friends. But we're talking romance. it's more painful not to love anyone at all than to have that love that you have not reciprocated because at least you're still feeling those emotions. Yeah, man.
1: I know what you mean. At least
0: that was the thinking at the time. And then now where I have feelings for a person, but haven't been able to like express them or like, haven't been able to see if like they reciprocate those feelings. It's so excruciatingly painful as well yeah and I'm like, Fuck, yeah. why can't I just go back to not having feelings at all so I don't have to feel this? and it's that's what I mean like it kind of intensifies whatever oh, dude.
1: everything like, mhm
0: and it ramps it up
1: yeah. um, you're living at you're going from like living everything at like fifty percent intensity to eighty or ninety percent intensity. you're just like, oh my god,
0: and there's times where like you just these thoughts come into your head and you're like, get like what are you doing like why are you always thinking about this like yeah you know and it's like just get it out like sometimes you're you're like okay like accepting these feelings and then other times you're like get these feelings out of my head Mm -hmm. or out of my heart you know yeah
1: interesting dude that's what that's what that's what i've been feeling recently at least yeah yeah
0: And I'm sure, like, it'd be different if I was actually able to express these feelings to the person.
1: Why aren't you?
0: If you don't mind me asking.
1: And it's kind of an intense question, but... No, uh,
0: I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I'm scared. Yeah. Like, it's... You've been, like, rejected so many times before Um, that, like, do I really want to get that rejection again? And Mm. also, like what does that rejection mean? Does that mean that this person is going to be like out of your life or uh, a lot of what ifs, eh? Yeah. It's a lot of what ifs. And also just like, I don't know. I, I, I think me, I struggle a lot with expressing romantic feelings because they are so intense. Yes. And I tend to be such a calm level headed person. Mm, you don't know that, how to
1: deal with this chaos.
0: Exactly, exactly. So there was this one quote in um, what's it called? Jerry Maguire.
1: Who's
0: that? It's a sports. Mo- it's a it's a movie about a sports agent. So a movie that I love because that's kind of what I want to go into, right? And there's this one quote that he says. He says, "I'm really good at friendship, but I'm really bad at intimacy." And once I heard that, I was like, oh my goodness, like I can relate to that so much, but it's been such a bad thing for me to relate to mm-hmm. because it's been a limiting belief for me. Oh, so it, I sometimes use it as an excuse to yeah. hold
1: myself back. For sure, dude. I mean, it's the way I see it. Essentially, you're scared scared and rightly so like yeah. it's scary it's scary to be vulnerable express your emotions hold your heart up and give somebody the chance to accept it or stab it you know what I mean that's kind of what's what's happening and it's scary as fuck um, I think it's
0: also partly because like you know maybe because I haven't had a serious relationship that I haven't been able to see the benefits of taking that risk yeah yet so that
1: affects it well there's a benefit either way because what you're telling me what or no not what you're telling me what I'm hearing is that you're spending a lot of time thinking about it and it's distracting and it's kind of annoying because you enjoy like thinking about it but at the same time it's like I want to try and be doing stuff I want to you know be focused and not constantly thinking about something that hasn't happened and might not happen it might turn out bad so in a way like by experiencing that rejection then at least you ha- you know the reality of the situation and then you can start to process it and move on yeah for sure but like it's still scary as fuck you know that doesn't go away <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lesson i think i'm i'm lucky i was lucky with my with my relationship because I think i would have been similar to you and i was in the past actually um where i would i had a really like i was really into this girl but i never said anything and then i met i ended up meeting my girlfriend but we worked at the same resort so i saw her every single day all summer long so it was like impossible for me not to say anything and i'm kind of thankful for that because i don't know if i would have otherwise you know yeah, yeah. so i feel bad. I my heart goes out to you <laughs> um
0: for those listening right now this is probably the most that I've seen both of us smile so much while we're talking about something which is it's something to say you know like yeah, it's nice. obviously it shows that like when you do talk about these things it it, it gets you like into a hopefully positive emotion at least we are mm-hmm. um I was thinking we could maybe talk a little bit about kind of the romance culture in North America.
1: Speak to me, Marcus.
0: (laughs) So I remember one of my friends mentioning um, that they had a friend from France and that they were kind of adjusting to the new romance culture in North America compared to Europe. Yeah. And I don't know much about the European romance culture, but from what they were saying is that it seemed a bit more intimate, and that more serious as well, mm. and not serious as in like not exciting. Like you know how sometimes serious seriousness means like stern or like whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah. It
0: just meant more like more emphasis on actually love. Yeah. Rather than sex. Yes. Yeah. Um. So what I've experienced in in north american romance culture and i'd like to hear your take on this is that a lot of people use it as an ego boost and almost as a competition and it's almost like you're trying to put up stats and brag about however many girls you've hooked up with or slept with Um, and it it's almost just like like i said almost like uh like a brag, like a, they're, they're just trying to be like, oh, yo, I hooked up with this, the hottest girl at the at the club. And it's like, yeah, well, uh, did you hook up with her a second time? Like, did you like have, did you go on like some dates with them? Like, did you build a connection with them? Or did you literally just go up and dance with a girl, start making out with her and then never talk to her again? Yeah. And I know that there's short-term pleasure in that because obviously it gets your body buzzing like you're you're feeling all these emotions and I'm sure dopamine is like a big big burst during these times but I just find we we really like you said focus on the aspect of sex rather than
1: love too much yeah I've got some thoughts on that for sure I think you're 100% right um I think your perspective might not be going like I think you're you're missing something. So you, what I heard you say was that in North America, it's more of like we're focused on sex and it's more of this ego boost competition style thing between the men. And I think you're right, but I think that is actually covering something up more than it is the only thing. Like that's not the, that's what you see at face value, but there's something behind that. So I think in, in Europe or no, We'll start in North America. So I think in North America, there's more of this idea of like, of masculinity, like men don't have feelings, men don't care. And we're just like, sec- driven by sex. Right. And that's, that's all you like, that's all you show that you want kind of thing. Whereas in Europe, I feel like men are allowed to be a little bit more emotional. And so they're able to be like, no, I love this little girl a little bit more. And I think part of the reason that or because men aren't supposed to show feelings not actually you know let me take that back it's not that we're not supposed to show feelings i think it's easier not to because feelings can be scary because when you show feelings about a girl actually you're being vulnerable and when you're being vulnerable you're showing your weaknesses and you're in and you can be hurt right so it's easier in the short term to just be like nah I just fucked 10 10 girls last night it was you know what i mean but it's like
0: Ten girls in one night.
1: Holy yeah, shit! I don't know where I came up with that. I don't know where I came up with that.
0: Well, yeah, ten girls this past month or whatever.
1: Yeah, whatever it is. You know what I mean. <laughs> but I think it's um, it's just harder for a lot of guys to actually be vulnerable and you know share that compassion, especially when other guys aren't. Then you feel like if you're doing that, it's you know it's, that's something wrong. So then you just feel like you need to be participating in the competition as well. And if you're not participating, then you're losing. But it's not a great mindset, I think.
0: I think also with a lot of this stuff is... I, I do think you learn how to love Continue. growing up. Um, and I think that there are some people that, that haven't seen...
1: What do you mean oh, you learn how to love growing up?
0: I. I think that seeing functioning and loving relationships has a big impact on, on how you approach romance. Yes. Luckily for me, I've I've been in a family with my parents are still together and, and like, I've seen a lot of love in, in, in my family, Um, like romantic gestures and, and stuff like that. um, And that kind of like influences my perspective of what I should be getting out of a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's say you grew up in a house with a single parent and you're not seeing it as often. I think it's a lot harder to envision what What it looks like. What it looks like.
1: That's a good point. But
0: this is also just coming from my perspective where like I could be totally wrong. Uh, Yeah. But just from, from the impact of seeing a loving relationship, I feel like it, it goes a long way. And I'm not saying that, it, like, if you grow up in a single, like, parent household, like, you're not going to be able to be romantic. Like, no, that's wrong. Um, I just think that, like, it's a lot easier when it's shown to you a,
1: a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought of that actually, but I think that's something worth considering at least.
0: Because how else would you learn? Like you don't like, obviously love is a feeling, um, but learning how to express it is important. And if you're not seeing it often, like where, where are you going to learn how to express it? You're going to learn from watching movies. You're going to learn from watching your friends. Yeah. You're going to learn from, reading books i don't know there's there's different ways to learn Mm -hmm. learn about it but sometimes like if you're watching a movie it's not really a very accurate depiction of it yeah maybe not accurate depiction of it but like uh it's
1: it's probably not the best teacher
0: (laughs) yeah not a meaningful yeah meaningful depiction yeah
1: It's, you know, there's a lot of... This is something that I thought of a couple of years ago, but there's a lot of vulnerability in love. Um, like, to love somebody, you've got to tell them. Well, no, but to be able to enjoy a love with someone, you have to be able to tell them, right? Most likely. And that is hard to do and scary because you can get hurt. And I think what can happen sometimes in relationships is that you express that vulnerability and then they accept you and it feels so good that over time you actually indulge more into that relationship than you should because you've been accepted even though you've been vulnerable and you might you're like you could get scared that you might not find it again you see what i'm saying yeah i think that's something worth considering too when you're in a relationship or just in general It's like, I think vulnerability and love can get confused if it's your first time being in love with somebody, potentially.
0: For sure.
1: I I agree with that. I don't know. just thought I had years ago. Zach disagreed with it. (laughs) I think,
0: yeah, vulnerability is a big part of it.
1: Yeah. Because
0: you're you're spending so much time with this person and, and trying to form such a strong connection, right? That yeah. How can you form a strong connection without opening up?
1: It's a big part at the beginning. Yeah. To, to, to Because you both ground your relationship in that vulnerability. It's like you both really know each other, the worst and, well, not the worst, but the parts that you might be insecure about, you know, and your fears and all that.
0: Well, I think you need to be vulnerable because you need to know that they're still willing to accept you. Exactly, dude. With these, these flaws in yourself. Exactly. And, and because with that love, you're scared that they're not going to accept you. Exactly. For those, for those flaws. And exactly. opening up is reassurance that, you know what? Oh, this is something that I feel. And then the other person says, you know what? That's okay for you to feel that. And even if you do feel that, I love you anyway. Yeah,
1: I'll still be there for you. Exactly. But and see, that's I- important at the beginning, but I think as the relationship goes on, then, it, then because, for example, I might see things about myself that I don't like and I'm like, I love you, do you love me? And they're like, yes, I love you anyways, great, okay. But then there's a bunch of stuff about me that I might think is great, but really pisses other people off. And so as the relationship goes on, then it's like, do you love the whole person? And are you still able to sort of connect even though you dislike these three things about them? And it's, then it becomes the relationship because I think that vulnerability, like showing vulnerability, feeling that acceptance creates a huge surge of like love and like ecstasy because you're like, yes, like I'm accepted, which is what we all want, you know, deep down, I think in a way, but, over time that kind of it fades a little bit it just becomes part of your day-to-day and then it's like do we actually really connect but i that's you only find that out by you know going through the motions
0: yeah yeah it's really interesting like people people talk like oh do you have a type Mm. and earlier you were just saying it's just a feeling that arises right yeah yeah and is there something consistent about like a person that evokes that feeling for you or does it just out of nowhere come, come around?
1: It's hard to tell.
0: Like, I want to say that it, it just comes around.
1: Well, I'm sure it's hard to tell because it's not like I've had that feeling for like a hundred people. You know what I mean? It's been very, <laughs> very, very few people. So yeah. I, it's hard to like draw out patterns uh, necessarily for me, especially because i am got more of a subjective versus an objective view of it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there would be. I'm sure it's likely that there are similarities, you know, because I don't know. Fuck, I like pizza, you know, <laughs> like <and the laughs> that I like tends to be something similar in the pizzas, you know. But.
0: yeah the person that i love has to have pineapples on their, <laughs> exactly. on their
1: exactly
0: quick side note i still don't understand why pineapples are such a controversy with pizza like i swear 10 years it wasn't a debate about do you have pineapple on your pizza but now people lose their shit people i don't like get it
1: <laughs> i don't get it i don't know people love arguing around stupid shit I think it's just because it's a distraction from the real shit. <laughs> Fair. I don't know, though. Yeah. It's
0: interesting to see dating apps these days. Mm. Do
1: you, have you ever used one properly?
0: Not properly, but I'm on one right now.
1: Oh, yeah? Which one?
0: Well, I'm on two right now. I downloaded one last oh, one. Okay. okay. Okay.
1: Which one? Which one?
0: Uh, Tinder and, and Hinge. Um, yeah, ladies? <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> But literally, like, I know in three days I'm going to be deleting both. Like, the, longest, I, the longest I've ever had a dating app is probably a week or two.
1: Why'd you and, download it again, then?
0: Just for something to do. I don't know. Like, at this point, what it is for me is that I'm not seeing many people. And I'm not talking to many people outside of, like, my small group. And I just want to put reps into talking to talking to girls and like i haven't flirted with a girl in a while Uh, and i i don't know i yeah i know it sounds bad but putting in reps is kind of a way to describe it Um, practicing expressing myself and practicing like showing my personality and practicing how to get to know someone i think is important stuff to learn um So that's kind of why I have the dating apps right now. Um, Do I see myself actually meeting up with someone from those? Probably not because it's creating an artificial connection rather than uh, a true connection, I think, with these dating apps. Um, I
1: wouldn't say it's creating an... It's hard to tell because it could create a true connection, you know?
0: It could, it could. It's just very hard, I think. Um, I personally like I don't judge much of my feelings off of looks. Obviously, like I'm into attractive women. Um but what makes a girl way more attractive for me is their personality. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Dude. So just seeing like six photos and then a two a two line bio about I don't know yeah. like it's hard whatever actually, whatever pets you have like I'm I that's not giving me enough information.
1: How do you go about making your own profile? Like how do you enjoy that process? How does it feel when you're doing it to you?
0: Oh I this is actually something that I was thinking about earlier in our conversation was when we we're talking about emotions and values and, and, and describing stuff. I struggle to describe myself on these, on these dating apps. Um, And a lot of them give you prompts, like, what are you looking for? And I'm like, fuck, I can't pinpoint it to just like one thing. Like I'm, and like, for me, I don't know what that one thing I'm looking for is. It's just a feeling that I get, like you said. Uh, But then even just like, you know, like, do I take it more seriously or do I have, like, more fun with it?
1: But then it's hard. Cause I feel like sometimes if you take it seriously, you feel kind of like, a f- I don't know, we are doing it. You're like, oh, well, because
0: you're being laugh. vulnerable, right?
1: Exactly, dude. Now you think people are just going to laugh. Like, oh, who is this guy? What is he doing? Yeah. You know, we're just here to hook up, you know, but then it's not, that's not true either.
0: You know, what's really interesting um, about that is I was watching the big short with with mm-hmm. my roommate last week and you're probably like why the fuck is he bringing up big short in in a, a little bit but discussion. I'm curious
1: I, I know you're bringing it up for a reason so I'm curious. <laughs>
0: in the discussion about love but there's this one character um Christian Bale's character Michael Burry and in the movie uh Michael Burry explains that he met his wife on on a match.com and that his bio was that he loved I don't know it was just like
2: mm-hmm. He
0: has a glass eye that he has a glass eye that uh, has sometimes scared people off. He is uh, into heavy metal rock and he has a hundred thousand dollars in student debt and blah 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 like all these things um, no, wrong kind of yeah that are that p- other people have like would consider wrong with him. Yeah. And then his wife-to-be messaged him saying, you're exactly what I've looked for, mm-hmm. honest. Which, it's a very small part of the movie, but it, when you think about discussions like this, that that line can, can have quite a bit of power. Yeah, definitely, man. Because when it does come to love, like you said, it's tough to be vulnerable. And, and with that, people just aren't honest very often
1: yeah yeah you're right it's a great line and it you're right it's a small part in the movie but
0: like dude do I go on tinder and say yeah I'm uh you know pretty I'm self-conscious of being a five foot six guy I like have never had a girlfriend before and I I don't know those are two things that stick out to me of things that I'm self-conscious about. But do I do that? No, because I, I don't want to be vulnerable.
1: I mean, you could try dude. <laughs>
0: I could, I could.
1: Um, just do it for, leave it up for a day and then take it down. See what I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying you can't.
0: I could. Yes. And going back to dating apps, that's one thing that for me, especially it's something I've struggled with it's just like all these people like putting like heights and it's like, dude, I'm short. Like, does that affect like the person mm-hmm. that I am? That you, Like the, the potential that you might have feelings for me, like just because yeah. I'm fucking two, two inches shorter than you. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Like, and that's something that, that, one of the reasons why I personally don't like these dating apps. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's different for other people uh but you know there there is something about like when someone says oh for me to like like you you have to be this height you know being when you're not that height it's like that can be hurtful
1: yeah of course dude and it's bullshit too because it's yeah, nothing. yeah.
0: so that's another thing about dating apps that that i i can't really get behind
1: yeah i get that i get that 100 percent, dude
0: it's bullshit (laughs) like it's unfortunate but like it's unfortunate yeah and like i i don't beat myself up about it like fuck i can't do anything about other people but it's just something you have to deal with like with these things
1: yeah yeah i mean i can't i don't know I guess the only thing, like, as a, I don't know, I guess I consider myself a taller person. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say you're pretty tall. But I don't, I don't like Tinder either, so <laughs> I'm with you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man. You know, this has been an interesting experience meeting up once a week to just talk and it's kind of fun to see where the conversations go, you know, for sure.
0: And I think just with our current mindset, they do kind of revolve around similar topics and similar values, but, uh, these free flow episodes really do put us into a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. And and can kind of show our personalities
1: a bit more as well. Agreed, agreed. And they can sometimes put us in a more uncomfortable situation because they're less thought out. So there's more potential yeah. to just move in a direction.
0: For those listening, you, Christian and I have, have been talking quite a bit about kind of how we think um, and our trains of thoughts. And you've probably seen by some of these, free flows and even our other episodes it's a lot of zigging and zagging like Mm -hmm. we 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 don't tend to stick on an idea for too too long but we'll we'll zig and we zag and then we we circle back around um quite a bit and that's something that's helped us kind of learn and and move forward Mm -hmm. with with the stuff that we've been thinking about recently for sure is there anything else you want to add to this this free flow episode or should we start finishing up
1: uh there's actually something I just thought of so you you were talking a little bit about you know like being a shorter guy and how that's frustrating and I can't speak directly to that but I can speak like from a different perspective from my own experience and I feel like I'm from the outside view like well I am I'm a taller guy I've got I'd say a big personality. And I think that gives a certain perception to a lot of people around me and like girls in particular. And <laughs> so I think, looking back, I I didn't have sex until I was mm, 19, 20. But And I was very insecure about that, but I was still the same person. You know what I mean? Like loud and abrasious. And I think a lot of people assumed that I had, you know, I'd been with a lot of girls and stuff like that. And so it's different from your situation because I think like, and and similar because people make assumptions, but then I felt more insecure on the inside because I hadn't, um, you know, I didn't feel like I lived up to those expectations that people inherently had for me. And so that held me back and scared me even more from approaching and becoming intimate with girls, you know? Because I felt like I hadn't sort of become or being the man that they thought I was. And I think that actually made me more It made me act more masculine in a way. If that makes any uh, sense.
0: Why so? Why do you think? Just to to make up for that absence. Yeah, and, exactly. Absence of masculinity. Exactly. Even, I'm saying the that problem. in air quotes here. You can't see it, but yeah, you can't see that. Um, yeah. Um because no, because- it's not at all
1: yeah i know for sure this was it's it's hard to like realize that when you're younger right but it's also from related to what we were talking about earlier about this like the sort of sex competitive driven sort of north american culture that we live in in terms of relationships right for sure and i i felt like i didn't live up to that so then i felt like less of a man because of it yeah which which sucked a little bit but whatever i've I, it's it's made me learn a lot and grow, so I'm okay with it.
0: No, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm a person that doesn't get many girls, or at least in the eyes of other people, like wouldn't get many girls. Uh, and I understand what you're saying about that pressure of, of, you know, like expectations. Like I go back at Christmas break and I'm talking to, to this guy a friend of mine and he's like oh mark's like you must be getting like tons of girls in montreal like 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 what's going on with with that and i'm like oh well fuck like i actually haven't hooked up with a girl in in months yeah, um, yeah. and then i'm like trying to make up for it because i'm feeling insecure i'm like oh well i've been talking to this one girl like and like yeah. make up some bullshit just
1: to yeah. just to feel like i fit in mm-hmm um, and then it's funny because then, then you can, like, I think for some guys they can. If you start hooking up with a bunch of girls, then you're. It's it's a obviously it's like this form of self validation, right? So then you feel like when people ask you that question, you're like, oh yeah, look, I've, you know, five girls last week was great, man. You Should have been there. It was wild.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's like you know, who are you like? What's going on there? Really, you know? Yeah. How yeah. you really?
0: It is. It's weird because I have these thoughts. I'm like, you know what? Like, this stuff. Like, to me, obviously, it matters in my life. But like, I can't put so much pressure on myself. But then when I do talk to my friends, yes. I ask them. I ask them, like, oh, like, are you talking to any girls these days? And I guess it's more. I I'm asking because I, deep down, I want to know if they're like how they're doing in terms of that their romantic life
1: because are you comparing yourself to them
0: no i'm not comparing Th- these are like my best friends and i'm okay asking.
1: gotcha my bad And
0: um, yeah the before though like the, the friends asking me like they're they're friends but they're not my best friends
1: yeah
0: and i guess just thinking about it now it's it's kind of weird that like that stuff is so personable personal but even with like acquaintances and and just like regular friends, it's one of the main speaking points often. Yeah. You know, like I, I really don't have a problem opening up to, to my, my best friends about the, the, like, I guess successes and struggles in my, in my romantic life. Mm -hmm. But for, for a regular person, like just a regular friend, like, do I really need to be sharing all that information with you? And maybe that's just me being stingy and, and kind of, no. maybe, it's, maybe it's insecure about the, the like, current romantic situation I'm in. Um, but I don't know why we make this su- such a personal thing so broadcasted.
1: I, I think there's a great parallel or comparison here to be made to the European culture, something you touched upon earlier. And I'll draw an example of my dad speaking to a, a guy in Germany a while ago and here, super common to ask, like, you pick up the phone, you call somebody, oh, hey, how's it going? Good, you? Good. All right, let's get on with the conversation. You ask everybody how they're doing and you don't really care. <laughs> And you don't really want to know the details of how people are doing because it's volatile and complex. And, and in Germany, sometimes those habits that we, we've grown up with here, of like asking people how you're doing, will come forward. So my dad asked some guy to, you know, a gathering. He's like, oh, hey, Vigates, gates, how's it going? And the guy's like, please don't ever ask me that again, <laughs> unless you know me very what? well and really, and really want to know. Because what if what if my father had just died? I would be forced to tell you now how I'm doing. It's a very personal question. And so there's this contrast between like us here just asking for the sake of asking. To And I think that, you know, relates back to like, oh, how's it going with the girls? It's like these vo- like very intense actually questions that are just being spoken about casually. It's just kind of like a way of life here and maybe it's not the best way I
0: don't know it's interesting you bring it that up because it's in other cultures as well I was talking to my parents um about how I had this one business meeting with someone and the first thing that they asked me was oh how's your family doing which he was like this business meeting was with a family member like he was a second second cousin of mine so he knew my family so it wasn't weird but I when he asked that, I was like oh that was that made me feel really good that he actually like was concerned about my personal life before getting into this this meeting and I guess it's the way that you position it that that question um so I brought that up to my parents and saying you know what like when I start having these these like meetings I want to try and make things a little bit more personal to build more of a connection between people and they said that in Mozambique which is where my parents Uh, met and also worked where I lived for the first four years of my life Um, when you go into a business meeting the first thing you ask is how are you doing how's your family like how's your how are your parents the kids are all right like you it's very personal Mm -hmm. Um, so I think like it it depends on how you frame it especially um, with those questions and and when people are asking about these like, oh, you know, like what's up with the girls like what are you saying with like what are the Montreal shorties saying like yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's it's more like they're <laughs> so what are the shorties saying dog uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more and and I know that we've talked about this too, sometimes they're bringing it up just so then they can talk about it themselves
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because they might be on a hot streak, you know, they might've had a hookup for the past two or three weekends and they're, they're fired up about it. And rightfully so, uh, sometimes, and they just want to share it with someone. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where I was going with it, but
1: with that. No, I see what you're saying. I think two people ask sometimes already expecting a specific, like pre-written um standardized answer as just and it's just like a conversational uh not courtesy but like norm I don't know
0: yeah I think um one thing that I've really that that I realized a couple of years ago is that especially when it comes to to sex and 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 romance, Um, the the people that are you know that that may have been like a virgin or that haven't had romantic relationships yet they're the quietest ones in the room so there's and you don't realize how many people out there are like that because they're not speaking up you all you you know which guys are the ones that are fucking a lot and that are that are like having lots of relationships because they're the ones talking about it all the time yeah. But those people that that aren't in those relationships, they it's not like they're gonna go around bragging, yo, I'm I'm not in a relationship, I haven't had sex yet, like. So, for a lot of people, like, there's a lot more people out there that that are like that than than
1: people expect. Hundred percent, man. I I was super insecure about it. I didn't tell anybody. In first year university, I had sex. I didn't tell anybody. Even dude, I fucked up actually. <laughs> I fucked up genuinely, seriously, because I didn't tell uh when I started dating my girlfriend, she, whatever. She's the first person I'd slept with, but I didn't tell her for like six months. Horrible idea to do that. I don't recommend that. Don't recommend. It. <laughs> whatever. I mean whatever now, but still at the time it's a bad idea. No, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> does does make sense. Uh, right on, dude. I think we're
0: good to move on to the closing thoughts. Yes. So uh, from that conversation, what what did you get out of it and what, what would you like to share with people?
1: I think I've gotten two things out of it just off the top of my head right now. I think it's important, especially for guys, to be more open and vulnerable with each other because we tend to sort of live behind this. It's not a facade, It's because it's real. There's like, we are masculine, you know what I mean? There is masculinity in us and it's there and it's real, like the strength and whatever. But to also show our our weaknesses to each other more, because I think it'll empower us and unite us together and allow us to be stronger. Um, Specifically, because I think everybody kind of, we all go through the same feelings, you know? We're all moving through the same thing called life and we're gonna have ups and downs. And by sharing those ups and downs together, we can learn that we are more similar and we're not alone in our struggles. So I think that's important. Um, And I think by being more vulnerable with each other, then it becomes less difficult to be vulnerable, perhaps with with someone that you really, really care about, potentially. And the other thing is also maybe to be more careful with our questions. Um, like, t- if you ask a question, make sure that you really want to know the answer. That's that's my 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 thoughts. What about you? Great points. Um,
0: yeah. I would say that a lot of these emotions are are very complex and and often are tough to understand ourselves. Um, and I think that a great way of, of trying to understand them is by opening up to others. Um, and I think that's kind of how sharing a connection with someone that you love helps you understand those emotions better. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of is an incentive to be vulnerable um, and and open up. and mm-hmm these things like these things are are tough because you think of all these societal standards but in reality you're your own person you're going on your own journey Um, you've got your own narrative and you don't need to 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 try and force yourself into another narrative that that isn't for you um if you're taught to exactly if you're a person that that you know, is I don't know where I'm going with this, but just be be confident in yourself and and accept the feelings that you're having. Um, yeah. And if you can't, like I said, if you can't understand them, um, there's there's no point in just bottling it up. Um, reach out to a friend. That's what I was or doing us. a lot. That's what I was doing a lot with Christian today on on this episode. Was reaching out to him to to understand these emotions that I'm feeling, and luckily for me, I've I've had lots of well, not lots, but a few friends in in my life that I can really open up to and, and ask them questions and and learn from them. Um, so, yeah, it it it's complicated, but um, but I'm sure you'll find your way eventually. Mm. Um,
1: I'd like to highlight the value of opening up, just by saying, when you keep things inside, you kind of tend to go through the same thought process over and over again. And you try to extract information of it, from it, and and understand it. But I, I think you kind of, you get stuck in the same cycles. So it becomes difficult to, after a certain law of diminishing returns, you start to get less and inf- like get less understanding by going over the same thoughts. And so that's when it becomes important to share it with people. So then you can get external input and, and learn something that you might not be able to see on your own.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: Uh,
0: All right, well, uh, this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Definitely opened up some things that I wasn't, haven't opened up about in in quite a while so i'm very grateful for you uh providing this platform and and the opportunity to do that um that i hope good. that i hope that the people listening to this um found this insightful um and yeah if, if as always if you have any feedback for for anything that we we discussed christian and i are very open to, to hearing what what you have to say about
1: it love criticism love. yeah and also yeah. if you, if you feel like you need, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but if you feel like you need someone to talk to Marcus and I are are, yep. we're right here. For
2: sure. <laughs> sitting Once on the again,
0: <laughs> once again, time. Christian, absolute pleasure. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week.
1: Yes. Right. Thanks Marcus. It was great, man. Great stuff.
0: All right. See you guys.